thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Good morning, everybody. Hope you all are having an amazing day today. It is finally Friday, you guys. And today, oh, man, today is International Tea Day. National Wear Your Pearls Day. (laughs) Get your necklaces ready. Get your necklaces right. That's right. It's also National Ugly Christmas Sweater Day. Rico, I'm so disappointed you didn't have an ugly sweater on today. It's also I got one in the room. Maybe I'll have it later on in the show. Also, also, you ready for this? It's National Cupcake Day for all the cupcakes out there. Cupcake and, and ass motherfuckers. Mm-hmm, National Underdog Day, and of course, it wouldn't be a real day without this because today is also National. Cat Herders Day, and shout out to all the cat herders out there. Yes, we need to give them all a round of applause, Adam. Yes, for all the cat herders out there, and thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast, and please remember to look down below and see where we live on the internet and make sure you follow us on all of those social media platforms. Uh, also, today, we are going to kick it off with the dope dad himself. Oh, wait, hold on one second. I'm sorry. We're also streaming. On YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, Rumble, and now Instagram. You can also watch us on Instagram Live. But kicking it off first is the dope dad himself. It is none other than Mr. Quasimodo himself. And you can tell by that fresh cut, it is none other than the dope dad himself, Mr. Rico Lemite. It ain't fresh. Appreciate that, Jason. It ain't fresh yet. It'll be fresh later on. Or a hitman. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, there's a little bit of fallout going on this week. And, um, you know, a, a story was released by the L.A. Times earlier this week that set the industry on fire, Jason covered. And um, the piece accused Tony Wong, the co-owner of California-based lifestyle brand Stizzy, or Steezy, depending on who you ask. But um, it was accusing him of being the landlord of several top, uh, trap shops in the greater L.A. area. Wong threw a... Spokesperson swiftly responded by acknowledging the properties were being used illegally, but it was done without his knowledge and 
that he tried to even evict the uh, um, his unsavory tenants uh, more than one time um, uh, as soon as he found out. But per the SF Gates reporting, prior to publishing the story, lawyers for Wong and Stizzy sent the Times a cease and desist letter threatening to sue for defamation if they released it, claiming a former executive at Stizzy had tricked the Times into writing the story. Uh, of course, the Times wrote that they had no contact with the executive prior to the lawyer reaching out, and here we are. The industry's response to the allegations have been mixed, uh, but at least one prominent trade group's calling for a boycott of the brand until the allegations are fully resolved. The Green Market Report uh, released this morning that uh, the UCBA, United Cannabis Business Association, posted a notice on Instagram. Instagram. My words today, man. Uh, on Wednesday that the L.A. Times story broke uh, with a banner that read, lack of enforcement allegedly allows legal operator to play both sides in California cannabis industry. The Times story reported that Stizzy founder Tony Wong, um, the visionary officer of the, um, of the Shrine Group, had ownership stakes in at least nine buildings where trap shops were being rung. So uh, while Huang was still embroiled in some legal actions with municipalities over some of the locations, including an abatement lawsuit from the city of Compton, most municipal enforcement actions have settled out of court thus far. The State, of Can um, Department, of, the State Department of Cannabis Control told the Times that it's still investigating allegations against Huang, and meanwhile, Steezy is um, running as usual. He actually denied everything and said that um, the truth will be uh, will be uh, released very soon. Here's what U.S. Uh, UC, uh, UCBA President Jared Kylo had to say: These allegations are alarming enough. Um, along with many UCBA board members, I intend to cease any further purchases of Stizzy products uh, for resale with the cannabis shops until these allegations are fully resolved. It's important for the industry to support operators who abide by the law. Uh, Stizzy did not immediately respond to the story before it ran this morning. But Kylo did tell Green Market Report that about 40 retailers thus far had signed on to be part of the boycott and added that he expects the backlash to grow through the supply chain as other licensed companies find ways to cut ties with the brand too. I've been talking to brands who are direct competitors of Stizzy who are going, holy crap, this whole time we knew their business model wasn't really sustainable. We thought they were just incurring debt. And now to find out that they're selling to the illicit market and subsidizing their own legal businesses, uh, and that's why we couldn't compete with them. Kylo added that the Times story basically broke what is an open secret in much of the cannabis industry already about Stizzy having sizable illicit market footprint. We were so happy that someone else has pointed this out. We've been pointing it out for years. This makes the legal industry look shitty. It makes us all look like criminals. Stizzy is far from the first licensed marijuana business in California to have been accused of operating in both legal and illegal sides of the, of the trade, particularly since it's hard enough to turn a profit in the red tape heavy state that many multi-state operators and brands, including, including Cureleaf, Trueleaf, Wana Brands, and others have exited the market entirely in recent years. The tough market conditions have led to licensed companies to play both sides to turn a profit and to keep food on the table. So um, I got questions here, man. <laughs> so this is a very, very, very sticky situation. And um, like I said, the industry is, is, is torn. There's plenty of people that are taking Tony and uh, Stizzy's side. Um, I personally think that, you know, until the allegations are fleshed out, like he's innocent until proven guilty, right? Um, 
And um, my question to everybody is, um, uh, where do you guys stand on this? Uh, should there be a boycott against uh, Stizzy? Uh, should we wait until the rule of law uh, um, um, drops the gavel? Or um, does it even matter? Is this just another distraction to get people riled up against each other? And UCBA is snitching right here. Um, I don't know. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street, though. Uh, for High 9 News, I want to hear from you guys. Lots of tea today, Jason. It's, Lots it, of tea. It, this is all just one big, big distraction, Rico. The reality I is agree. that no one in the cannabis industry is capable of actually holding a real boycott because everyone's interests are different. There is no unified voice of uniformity amongst the cannabis industry. And so this is one big joke. I think the UCBA is just trying to uh, use its retail leverage to kind of bully Stizzy in that way. And I don't think yeah. that they should be calling for this boycott until after um allegations are actually yeah. made concrete and held out through 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 a court or judicial type of hearing um yeah, but, especially but, the business that we're in yeah you know what i'm saying like exactly like, like I, 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 yeah i don't i don't really rock with the boycott until like everything's fleshed out mm-hmm. um and um yeah it's just it's, it's it's a situation and we know like a lot of people are playing on both sides but um but just call them out like that and i i don't rock with that man mm-hmm. i don't rock like i don't rock with that yeah, I'm not. And, and and they're going to lose sales and send people to the trap if you take Stizzy off their shelves because Stizzy's one of the most popular brands and one of the exactly. biggest sellers. They're just going to lose their state. customers. Regardless, you're gonna you're yeah. gonna lose retail uh, uh, space and the people who do. Uh, choose to rock with Stizzy, they're going to take all the business. Yeah, and then as soon as they walk into a trap shop and realize they can buy it for 30 40% less than what they were paying at your legal shop, then they're never coming back to your store to buy anything else. Right. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. What do the rest of y'all think about this one? I want to hear what Chris thinks. I agree with generally everything you guys are saying. I think another way to look at this though, too, is like, you know, people that aren't in the industry are looking and consuming to some degree news about the industry. And I think it's important to understand that like, this is what some people who have no context about cannabis see, right? Whether it's right, wrong, true, false, old story, new story, you know, people aren't invested to the degree that certainly we are in this panel. We are as, as an audience, you know, that are high at nine news consumption folks, you know, we are, we have to understand, or we don't have to do anything. I, I think it's important to understand that people not within our industry that are potential consumers of cannabis or can curious are consuming this type of material and have very little context behind it. And as we know, we're a society that, you know, takes a headline, runs with it, takes a headline, takes what we want out of it and runs with it. Um, and so I think that's another angle that I'm looking at it as because, you know, um, you know, I'm not, you know, Jason, I don't have the background of the industry that you do Rico. I don't have the background in the industry that you do. You know, I don't have the years behind me that, that both of you guys do. Um, and so, you know, to some degree, I think maybe it's easier for me to look at it that way. But, you know, I have people in my life that are like in, and now interested in cannabis only because they know that I'm involved in cannabis mm-hmm. to some degree. So yeah. it's just another way I was looking at. I was like, man, and I'm not saying it's like a bad look for the industry because people are going to put out what they want. And, you know, at the end of the day, if we're going to formulate opinions, the way I formulate opinions is I take as much data as I can. I take as much experience about the people involved, if I have any, that I can. And then I, you know, if I can reach out to that person and get their side of the story or, or whatever, if it's appropriate or I'm invested to do so. In this situation, I'm not invested to do so because I don't know personally the players myself. But I'm looking at it from that lens that, you know, as an industry, 
I think there's ways that um, we collectively can put our our best foot forward because there's amazing people doing amazing things for amazing communities here, period. And, you know, I think it's, I think it kind of sucks that, you know, as a big a platform as the story came out, there's going to be people who don't have yet an opinion of cannabis. And this might be a data point that they use to formulate that opinion. That that is very right. true. And you can't always yeah. make the bad the enemy of the good, it, you guys. I hate when you say that. <laughs> is Stizzy one of those brands? Is Stizzy one of those brands that adds terpenes to their products, to their pre-rolls or something like that? Um, I, to their vapes. I, I'm not sure about their product no. lines, but I, I, w- I would be willing to bet that they that they add okay. some terps to some of that. I'd say yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they have I'm some asking. products that do, or at least they have some products that I would say that they that they do that too. The reason I'm asking is their product line and marketing don't seem very aligned with the with the the plight or the 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 needs of the patient. Mm. Oh yeah, no, um, they they, they, know, they do as, not advertise as, the, as a medical company um, at all. You're right the about that. Yeah, a street brand. Yeah, they're a street brand. They are strictly a street. Yeah, brand. Yeah, I would brand. say like allegations like this is like it, yeah. elevate their profile. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point, Doctor. Well, that's a great optic to look through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're you're right. They, about aren't, they, aren't they, they really, away, as far as I'm concerned, then? Mm-hmm. Cool. Aren't, aren't aren't they really just cultivating an image that has to do more with clothing and um, less to do with cannabis? I mean, I, I think Stizzy sells a lot more, a lot more vape cartridges than they do any yeah. of their any of their uh, streetwear. I do believe they do have some streetwear, but I don't think that's really the focus point of their brand. Their brand is focused on on building the Stizzy name and just keeping that street awareness. Yeah, they have a they have a very 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 strong following um, in the streets in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and they do, do they, and they like do a lot. Unique, they do, they do a lot to help genetics? out the community. So. Do they have like unique genetics that they only have that. Like cookies or no? I think they do have a few that they have licensed. I don't want to speak out of place here, but I have talked to a couple of folks that did um, um, some deals with them to for some exclusively licensed uh, uh, cultivars, and, if you will. And so, and uh, Justin Benson in the chat, he he's saying that Stizzy used to make skews that had artificial uh, or the other terp- added terpenes in there. He said that mm-hmm. they currently don't produce them anymore. So. Thanks, yeah. You, yes. You know, Jason, we can't we can't just throw them under the bus. There's probably a lot of operators who are like that. That's, yeah. and that's more yeah. of an econ- that's more of an economic and prohibition reasons why that happens, mm-hmm. and not so much just these guys. So we shouldn't just throw these guys under the bus. Let's throw them all under the bus. Yeah, no, I, I don't think they should get thrown under <laughs> the bus until there's actually like some kind of a conviction, like some some real, you know, like gr- granted that L.A. L.A. Times piece was was really really put together, and and whoever the gentleman that wrote that really did a lot of investigation in, in, into that to come up with all of those uh, all of those different points. But at the same time, he's a journalist and not a detective, not a member of law enforcement, not even a member of the D.C.C. And I think we need to wait until we get like real real allegations or or criminal charges that that go forward with this before we just start calling for boycotts i just wanted to add so at the end of the day real product differentiation is how close you are to the plant and how close you are to the innovators that are growing and that are breeding and to me it just seems like these kinds of brands are just too far away from the real 
you know, essence of the plant itself. I could be wrong, but, you know, it's just my take on it. Yep. And and everyone is like Stizzy is a legacy brand at the same time too. So uh, yep. you know, Trap's gonna survive. And uh, James of Flatbush is like that. I got Stizzy carts out in the shops in New York. So shout out to Stizzy. Hey, hey, Doctor Bart, can I can I pile onto your comment because I find it totally interesting. And I think you know, I don't want to. I think what I heard you say is like you know, some of these brands are farther away from the plant, right? let's look at alcohol, right? You have like a Psalm with respect to wine and the grape. And then you've got, you know, somebody who just wants to do like Jaeger shots at a bar somewhere. Right. And I think that there's room and I'm not saying you don't think this, I'm not like at all arguing. I'm just, because we're in person and you know, we, we kind of know each other. It's kind of fun to like have some banter and dialogue back and forth. But you know, to that degree, my, my devil's advocate, uh, respectfully argument would be like, Hey, well, if we treat it like alcohol, which I, I think generally where to some degree, this is all going right within, in terms of consumption use, certainly, uh, regulation enforcement, you know, drunk driving, you know, things like that. I think you do have, uh, certainly folks in the industry that believe, Hey, you know, as close to the plan as we can get. And then you have some other people that may never be that interested in it and just want to consume you know, uh, and I'm not trying to say any one brand is the Jaeger shot of cannabis. That's not what I'm saying. But I hope my point is clear that you have some people that are very close to the vine and the wine and, and how it how it affects the body or how it affects the palate. And then you have some people that like never really that curious about it, don't really care, just want to, you know, uh, just want to consume for whatever reason. And so I think there's space for everybody at that table in, in an industry. And I think that there should be. There's some folks that are consu going to consume only for medical purposes. My brother-in-law consumes cannabis specifically for medical purposes. Right. Uh, and then I have, you know, folks, and I think to some degree myself that consume because I enjoy the, I enjoy how it makes me feel depending on where I'm at and, you know, physically and where I'm at, you know, mentally, where I'm at emotionally. And, you know, to some degree, you know, for me personally, it's just like, it's like a big glass of wine. That's why, how I describe the, what I like about cannabis is just kind of like, does that make sense? Yes. Most definitely. And, you know, yes, definitely. All, Great dialogue. All, all use is medical use, regardless of what use you think you're using it for. But on that, we're going to go to a commercial and we're going to be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. And, and so I, I geek out on wine. Chris, I love back. sitting on We're back on, Chris. Up next, he is known for smoking the best weed in the world. And when he's not in West Hollywood holding down the fort, chances are you just might catch him flexing on the gram in a mink coat on the PJ. And on that wavelength, Jason Beck is here to tell us a little bit about flying high. What you got for us today, head honcho? Oh, man, I see what you did there, Rico. Yes, my story is all Artist. about flying high. Oh man, and this is for all of my all of my trapper friends out there. This is this is a fascinating story I found this morning. Just came out. Can 
TSA stop you for marijuana in your luggage, you guys. I can't believe that this is being reported. But nonetheless, maybe you're gearing up to fly home for the holidays or flee to a warm weather destination to escape the cold. And while many states have legalized marijuana, you may want to think twice before packing any. There are many things you can't bring throughout TSA security checkpoints at airports. That includes some timely items like baked goods, candies, and even your pets. When it comes to marijuana, it's a bit more complicated. Despite recent efforts, marijuana remains illegal on the federal level. TSA explains that it includes certain cannabis-infused products as well, like CBD oil. That's funny. Oh, man. However, you are allowed to bring cannabis products containing no more than 0.3 THC percent THC on a dry weight basis or those approved by the FDA in your carry-on or check luggage, according to TSA. Those rules apply regardless of departure or arrival airports. And a quote, TSA's response to the discovery of marijuana is the same every time. Every uh, and same every time in every state at every airport, regardless of whether marijuana has been or is going to be legalized at that state level. TSA spokesman Lori uh, Donkers previously explained to Nextar, this also covers medical marijuana, she says. Say, for example, that you're flying from Denver to Los Angeles, even though both states have legalized marijuana. That doesn't mean TSA won't stop you if they spot it in your bag. TSA is, however, primarily focused on your safety, the safety of other travelers and potential threats. In quotes, the TSA has gone out of its way to stay that its focus is not on marijuana. Larry Mishkin, an Illinois lawyer at the Hoban Law Group, which offers legal services for individuals in the marijuana industry, previously told the Washington Post. TSA officers do not search for marijuana or other illegal drugs, but are required to report any potential illegal items they find during a security screening process to local law enforcement. Those authorities then decide what, if any, steps are taken next. In quotes, uh, whether or not the passenger is allowed to travel with marijuana is up to law enforcement's discretion, Donkers added. Either way, cannabis products can't go through the security checkpoint if found. Some airports like Chicago O'Hare's offers cannabis amnesty boxes where travelers can ditch their weed, like no one does that, before going through TSA. At Los Angeles International Airport, the L.A. Airport Police Division has, in quotes, no jurisdiction to arrest individuals if they are complying with state law and quote while in possession of marijuana but the airport warns tsa screeners screening areas are still under federal jurisdiction you may still have to ditch the weed but you likely won't get arrested ultimately as donkers explains tsa focus is on terrorism and security threats to the aircraft and its passengers earlier this year ohio became the 24th state in which to legalize adult use cannabis and it officially became legal during the first week of december but next stars wcmh reports that dispensaries aren't expected to be open until late next year and some parts of the law haven't even been set in stone i don't know why they included that in this article but nonetheless that's the story and can you fly with thc in your bag well i guess it's up to whatever tsa agent finds your stash and what the law fort johnny law has to say about it and then nonetheless, this is jason beck for the high at nine news what do y'all think about this i think great article jason i'll start i'll start it off i think it's a great article it's important to read within lines i think and understand that Cool. They can say their focus is this and that and not this and not that, but they do have discretion. It is important to understand that. 
and you've got you know law enforcement officers in every airport that also have their own discretion um so you know it's gonna vary case by case the hey i've flown with it before and no one ever cared thing won't work right if, yep. if you come across the wrong tsa agent and the wrong cop period or or, um, or if you just get the wrong bag searched Totally. Right. And so I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a curious dude. And I oftentimes will chat up TSA after I get through security. I'm just like, yo, by the way, you know, how do you feel about this? And, you know, more, I'd say nine out of 10 and I, I fly a lot. Um, nine out of 10, I'd say ballparking are like, not my job to look for it, bro. Like straight up, not my job. Like that. Cool. That's the dude I want. Right. That's the, that's the person I want. But you know, one out of 10 is like, not looking for it, but don't put it in a place where I am going to search for something. Let's say a, a water bottle is in my bathroom bag, and then next to that is some stuff I don't want you to find. You know, that's kind of the answer. So, yep. yeah. Yep. I, I, I find it in this day and age, it's funny. It's easier to get through it with electronics than a bottle of water. It's 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 insane. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's insane to me. Yes. A tube of toothpaste. Right, exactly. And what happens when they do find it? They... It, it depends on the airport, Dr. T. It depends on the air, airport. So they turn you over to local law enforcement, and then local law enforcement will make that de final determination as to whether you get arrested, whether you're able to fly, whether you have to huck your stuff, throw it in the trash before you can go, or in one of their fancy amnesty boxes. But Yeah, so, uh, you know, it, if it were me... Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, I was just going to tell Rico he's on mute, but please go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, listen, if I was if I was working overtime at, at an airport, right? Like, I, yeah, I'm not. I don't want to deal with this, man. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But you know, you might not get that. You not, might not get that officer. You know, you might get somebody who's like, you know, just starting their overtime shift. Or how about this? Here's something that happens, right? What about someone just, behind on their quota? Yeah, can no, you hear me now? No, no real quota. I, I know we love to have that argument. I've never been told a quota. They, a they quota. try to spin it. Well, there's not, Jason. There's just not a quota. But they, they do, some bosses do. <laughs> some bosses do try to say like, "Well, you're not, you're not, you know, producing or this and that." So, you know, I, I would like to be noisy on the radio and give a bunch of warnings if like that was coming coming down the pipeline. But here's some here's a here's a factor that cops do make, and they'll never admit to this. I'm at the end of my ten hour overtime shift, getting paid time and a half. And I'm about to go home, and I got no plans for the next four days. I'm off for the next four days. Yeah, I'll take that report. Yeah, I'll write that citation. You know what I mean? And I'll go back to the station and milk it for another couple hours. That absolutely happens within law enforcement, and they will deny it, deny it, deny it. But I promise you, that's a data point that gets factored into, am I going to write this report? Am I going to cite this person or not? I'm not saying every time. I'm not saying with every cop. That's a great— but I've seen it. That's a good, Yo, good can you, data you, Do you guys point. hear me now? Yeah, there, there you go, Rico. You're back. All right, all right, um, so I recently had a, uh, a trip. I fly with weed all the time, right? <laughs> and I recently had a trip out, and I was uh, taking an extended vacation somewhere. I was, I was going to be there for like a week and a half. And um, we were late as fuck. You know, if you're, if you're ever uh, traveling with uh, toddlers, never, you're never on time. And um, let the family go first. And I was running through the uh, running through TSA checkpoint. And everything and i had a half zip you know um that fell out of my bag when i was grabbing it quickly and i didn't even notice it i was running like, like literally the the plane was boarding and i had like, like eight gates to, to run at lax uh too and they're yelling at me to come back come back come back mm. and the tsa agent 
had a zip and a mylar bag. <laughs> and handed it to me. She handed it to me. She probably she said, thought it was uh, um, oregano. Said, fly safe. She's probably yeah, thought it was oregano. Was like, Thank you. But here, letter of the law. It's just Let, letter of the law, spirit uh, of the law, right? Or, yeah, or my, dude, my, my, dude, my, my heart dropped. And I was like, oh, fuck. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but she gave it to me and told me to fly safe. And yes. that was it. So shout out to LAX, man. Shout out to LAX TSA and uh, whatever your name was, lady. Chris, what were you saying, Chris? I'm sorry. Letter, letter of the law, spirit of the law, right? And so TSA is saying letter of the law. This is not what we're looking for. And that's, you know, she can hang their hat, her hat on that, right? Because, you know, oftentimes people do, especially in law enforcement, stuff that, like, you know, whether people know it, like it, agree with it, respect it or not, sometimes decisions get made based on what policy says. And it's like, listen, do I want to help you out? Is it the right thing to help you out? Is it the right thing to turn a blind eye? But guess what, man? Not worth my job, right? That's how some decisions get made, too, with agencies that enforce stuff. Mm -hmm. For her, right? It's yeah. right there in this article, Jason, that you're sharing. It's awesome. Hey, letter of the law is not, that's, you know, Rico's not going to be able to do any damage on the plane with that. So here you go, man. Like, that's great. But there is discretion involved in that decision. And that TSA agent could have easily, you know, brought Rico back, separated from his family, go talk to the yeah. cop, it's just flight, blah, blah, blah. Right. And that, and, and in that regard, they could have potentially, also fall within their policy and done, you know, what they think is the, is the air quotes, right thing. If so, they would, if they, if they, if they would have given Rico a case, would we have been able to call that a Rico case? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I, I, I think, um, uh, the, the, the one TSA agency that, uh, explicitly said that they will not be, um, uh, they will not be apprehending anybody was in New York, upstate New York. Remember we read that story. I think it was like a year and a half ago. Um, they explicitly said that they're not looking for that. They're looking for bombs. Um, they're looking for bombs and um, other illegal um, um, uh, contraband. Mm -hmm. But if it's a sensible amount and you're not being a jerk about it, it's not like a crazy smell or anything like yeah. that, so they have bigger fish to fry. That, that, that's, um, that's another big point right there, too, Chris, with law enforcement. Yeah. Your, your demeanor uh, often, too, will, will can be a very big determinant factor in what the law enforcement agent uh, decides to, uh, to do with you, ultimately. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, the, the good and bad is, you know, it's good and bad depending on what we're talking about. But discretion exists within law enforcement. Discretion exists within agencies that enforce things. Um, you know, I, I had a call with a, with a client. I'll give you a real quick one. Um, they, they had, like, really non-compliant cameras. And, and the potential there is, like, you know, some sort of DCC fine or shutdown or, or who knows what the spectrum could be depending, again, who you interact with. And he's like, well, you know, they didn't say anything yet. I'm like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, listen, I hate to put the cop hat on, but like have heard that before and I want to see you avoid a landmine just because somebody else said it was cool. Right. It's cool to them. The rule is this. And if you come across just so you know, and I'm not, you know, you do what you want, but my job as a consultant is to help you identify the landmine so you can make the decision. So you never wake up going, how did this happen? You know what risk you take or you don't take. Yep. And and that's what that convo was about. And it, again, it came all back to discretion. Well, this one person he interacted with didn't care and said it was cool. Well, that's great. The answer is it's not cool. The answer is it is not compliant. That's the answer. Whether yeah. anyone ever decides to enforce it, you take that one to Vegas all day long. And, that, and as long as you're cool with that, I'm cool with it. If you like it, I love it. But, you know, that's the answer. And so my job was to tell him about discretion mm. and how that could adversely affect his business financially and otherwise. 
you know, and, and then from that point on, you decide what you want to do and what you're comfortable with, but at least you know where the risk is. You don't ever want to go into any situation blindfolded and, you know, get punched in the mouth out of left, you know, and not see it. Oh man. Yeah, the TSA, the TSA would much rather, you know, they'd much rather uh, grab your junk than, you know, get you in trouble for weed. Yeah. Uh, apparently, you know, that's one thing, the last three flights I was on, groping me in the middle of everybody else did you ever Damn, did you ever son. tell him did you ever tell him that you wanted a female officer instead of a male officer patting you down no nah, but i make it a, i make a big deal out of it it's like oh we can go to a private room i said nah man you want to grab my dick grab my dick <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I make a huge i make a huge deal out of that but um yeah i, I fly in sweatpants man i'm like you can see mm -hmm. right through my shit like, like why are you trying to say oh is there something in there uh, you wear see-through uh, sweats huh do they get foggy when you when you run in the airport I don't, I don't know man it's, it's all performative as, as we also have seen like a 95 percent failure rate by TSA, uh, TSA when um, attempting to um, actually screen for illegal tra uh, contraband. All right. Well, we got to. I guess I have a legal weapon. We're, 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 way, we're way over time. We got to keep. We got to keep this train. We got to keep this train rolling. We got to roll right Let's in to Dr. Gene Talleyrand. He is the man with a plan. He's the founder of the CSC as well as Medican and probably wrote your parents' recommendation. That's right. It is none other than Dr. Gene Talleyrand. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Happy Friday, everyone. Uh, so my headline today is from FIU News by Angela Nicoletti. CBD good for HIV-infected brain cells? A new Florida International University study shows CBD works at the molecular level to reduce HIV-associated neuroinflammation keeping infected cells under control so that they don't activate and spread the virus. Over the past decades, drug advancements have improved the care of HIV-infected individuals. Combination antiretroviral therapies have contributed to a dramatic decline in the rate of deaths from AIDS. When using these treatments, people with HIV have nearly normal life expectancies. Although the virus can be controlled with treatment, it isn't eliminated. It still wreaks havoc on the brain. Antiretroviral treatments do not usually cross the blood-brain barrier, which allows the virus to hide in brain cells. The HIV virus enters the brain during the early stages of infection and stays dormant. The brain essentially acts as a repository. Later, the virus may reactivate, causing brain inflammation. The condition is called HIV-associated neurocognitive disorder, or HAND. People with HAND may have symptoms of cognitive impairment, including difficulties with attention, concentration, memory, motivation, and depression. Cannabis users with HIV usually consume two to three times more cannabis than the general population. Anywhere from 56 to 90% of cannabis users find it helps with nausea, pain, sleep, anxiety, or depression. In a study published in Scientific Reports, FIU scientists tested CBD, THC, and one-to-one -one THC to CBD on brain cells in the laboratory. CBD was clearly the stronger anti-inflammatory. The scientists also found that CBD suppressed the reactivation of HIV-infected brain cells. Although THC was not as potent an anti-inflammatory, it did not reactivate the HIV-infected cells and in some cases helped reduce inflammation. 
The active ingredients were applied directly to cells in the lab. Dosages were at 10 to 100 times higher than blood level concentrations after smoking a joint. Although this is great news, it is preliminary evidence that cannabinoids may be helpful in treating hand. Any attempts to treat with cannabis would be experimental. Ingesting high-dose cannabis oil extracts may be more practical than trying to smoke 100 joints. Clinical trials are needed to better understand the dosage, safety, and efficacy of cannabis treatment. Kudos to the FIU scientists for discovering another potential therapeutic indication for cannabis use. I thought it was interesting how the article highlighted CBD. In reading the study, the results indicated that the combination of CBD and THC may have some synergistic effect and also be useful. Of note, these scientists were studying the impact of drug abuse on HIV-infected cells when they made the discovery. They consider getting high from THC an adverse event, which may be why they only highlighted CBD as treatment. Either way, I think it's good news for people with hand. What are your thoughts? This is Dr. Jean Talleyrand with Hyatt 9 News. I, I agree with you all the way, Dr. T. This is fantastic news, and I do imagine that they probably are mainly trying to promote CBD in regards with this study and leave the THC out, but this reality is the entourage effect is going on, and that is the real true hero of the story. Yeah. That was, um, yeah. yeah. The U.S. government are, are the people who prove the neuroprotective properties of CBD and that it reduces neuroinflammation. So this is, you know, widely understood, paid for by your tax dollars mm -hmm. and patented by the U.S. government. Yes. Yeah, I wish uh, uh, Nicole Buffon was on to, to comment You know, uh, funny, on this funny story. you say that. She's the one that actually sourced this story originally. And then I no, sent it over to Dr. T because I felt like he would be the most appropriate to cover it from all of his all of his history in the medical field and with HIV patients in the San Francisco yeah. area because this is that that that's where this whole whole movement started and that's how we even have medical cannabis in the first place. Yeah, we absolutely. And we could possibly um, look at the, all those folks with HIV yeah. who are um, using cannabis to see if their incidence of hand is lower than those who aren't. I mean, it's an interesting next move for I, this. I, idea. I, I would, I, I would have to, I would have to agree with that, with that hypothesis, Doctor T, because from just from my personal experience of being with all different types of different HIV and AIDS patients over the years and watching their different consumption levels and and how they react, I, I would say that I have enough anecdotal evidence to to come to a conclusion. I, I would only add that the caution would be, you know, if there's any drug-drug uh, interactions be between the CBD and any uh, pharmaceuticals that their physicians are directing them to take. Because in a lot of cases, CBD impacts the metabolism of these drugs in the liver, and we don't really know... Right, Doctor T. Like, I don't know what what do you do? People do, do your patients ask you about drug drug interactions when they're taking drugs and whether or not they should be concerned about taking like CBD supplementation. It's a great question, Mark. It, uh, but most interactions, you know, CBD or THC may block the metabolism or slow the metabolism of other drugs, and what that does is it makes the concentration of that drug generally higher in the patient. Um, 
we always titrate our drugs anyway. I mean, there are suggested starting amounts, but if the people are getting adverse effects, or uh, then we'll lower the the uh, dosage. You know, particularly with important drugs um, like anticoagulants, right? And so, um, so we can adjust to that. There are drug drug interactions all the time, um, and so we are trained to look for them and adjust the medication appropriately. So, you know, I know people bring it up a lot, um, but, you know, it's just more about being a better doctor and, and making sure your patient gets the right dose. Well, and, and, and they're not always bad. Sometimes the drug-drug interactions could be synergistic in a way that makes the drug that they're taking to treat the disease more effective because of these secondary and tertiary interactions with the metabolites and the way that they're distributed in, in, in the body. So, mm -hmm. right, right. What I did think was important was the dosage that they discussed in this, the dosage that they used in, in, in the study were huge, uh, you know, and so will, would we need to dose at really high levels? Would people need to take, you know, concentrates or RSO um, or, or smoke a hundred joints, you know, in order to really get this effect? That's the question. Dose them, Dr. T. Just dose them. Dose them yeah. up. Yeah. And on that, we got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2,600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yeah. Stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button. We'll appreciate it. YouTube will appreciate it, and you will be a better person for it. Also, make sure you subscribe to the channel. If you have not subscribed to the channel yet, we would love to have you as a subscriber. And all the articles that we cover on today's show, you can read at www.hyatt9news.com. I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smokey Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah. You know what it is. We just stretched and now we're going to smoke because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. Yee! Oh, hold on a second. Let me let me let me get that link. All right, Rico, are you with us? Yes, sir. All right, there we go. Representing the great Northeast, we have a legendary doctor in the game here to break us down with our weekly science class, dropping nothing but truth and anti-boof sentiment from the great state of Vermont. Dr. Mark Chardon. Oh, thank you, Rico. And happy Friday, everyone. Hope you guys got great plans for the weekend. 
and you do something in the great outdoors. Uh, my story today comes from the marijuana moment and it highlights a federally funded study that we're gonna talk about. And the uh, title of the article in Marijuana Moment is uh, states that ban marijuana may unintentionally promote unregulated Delta-8 THC products, federally funded study finds. This is from Kyle Yeager at Marijuana Moment. So um, uh, people in states where marijuana is illegal are significantly more likely to have used products containing lesser known cannabinoids like Delta-8 THC, signaling that prohibition may unintentionally promote usage of loosely regulated products, according to a new federally funded study published in the American Medical Association. The research letter published in the Journal of the American Medical Association Open Network on Wednesday contains uh, what it says is the first ever set of scientific data on use trends for emerging cannabinoids such as Delta-8 THC, CBG, and CBN, as well as a number of uh, uh, CBD products that are consumed. Uh, researchers at the University of Michigan, uh, University of Buffalo, and Legacy Research Institute analyzed survey data from 1,169 adults from June 22nd to June 26th, and the results showed that the use of CBD has increased by 50% uh, since uh, 2019 with more than one out of five Americans, or 21%, reporting in the, fat, in the past year usage of the non-intoxicating cannabinoid. There's a notable progression, likely reflecting the increase in availability of CBD and other cannabinoids following federal legalization of hemp and its derivatives in the Farm Bill in 2018. Overall, 25% of the respondents reported using the emerging cannabinoid in the past year. About 12% of the respondents used Delta-8 THC, 5.2% used CBG, and about 4.4% used CBN. Higher Delta-8 THC use in states without medical or adult use cannabis laws suggest that prohibition may unintentionally be promoting Delta-8 THC use, the study says. Among the people who used cannabis in the past year, those living in non-legal states were more than twice as likely to have used Delta-8. Wow, twice as likely, that's pretty significant. Uh, these, uh, uh, this seems to reinforce a broader trend that numerous studies have identified over recent years. Providing legal access to regulated marijuana diverts people away from using unregulated cannabis. Well, duh, right? Come on. In the case, without having uh, that access, people in non-legal states are taking advantage of the gray market of cannabinoids that may be technically legal under federal hemp laws, but are increasingly being targeted in state markets due to the lack of regulation and the lack of uh, data on uh, health impacts of products like Delta-8 THC. Because, uh, or based on these res uh, results, um, 
we support ongoing public health surveillance efforts targeting emerging cannabinoids because of the lack of industry standards to protect consumers and similar pharmacology or effects to Delta-9 THC, its hemp-derived impairing analogs like Delta-8 THC, Delta-8 THC acetate and alike, which may be of particular concern for adults uh, and adolescence, the study concludes. Okay, so I'm going to switch over to the study and let's just talk about the study itself. Uh, again, this is paid for uh, by your tax dollars, uh, paid for by a NIDA grant. NIDA is the National Institute of Drug Abuse, which goes to what Dr. T and I have been saying all along is that in order to get federal funding to look at any uh, aspect of cannabis, you have to write to the agency that automatically puts it into the bad bucket of something that people are going to abuse. So the title of this paper, which uh, appeared on, in January, or I'm sorry, December 13th, 2023, in, in JAMA, which is the Journal of the American Medical Association, is entitled Past Use Prevalence of Cannabidiol, Cannabigibral, uh, Cannabidol, and Delta-8 Cannabidol Amongst uh, U.S. adults. And um, I'll just go down to the discussion of the results. Uh, again, they looked at over 1,100 uh, uh, of uh, 600 and uh, 6,000 patients, so 17.5% uh, in the survey, and asked them all kinds of questions around uh, use of of these uh, drugs. So you can read about the the uh, article. But I find it, again, very interesting that uh, it's the National Institute of Drug Abuse that's basically funding this work. It's pointing out what we kind of already know, which is that when people don't have unfettered access to high quality cannabis, humans want to use cannabis, so they're going to resort to these other products. And here's now a federal study <laughs> with a lot of money transacting and a lot of salaries paid and a lot of nice cars being driven by the people who did this study basically prove what we already know, which is that people need access to cannabis. This is Dr. Mark from the great state of Vermont. Be interested in hearing what you all have to say about this wonderful study that proves the obvious. <laughs> Man. Right? Yes. What, what, what do you think about this, Dr. T? You know, this happened with alcohol. Uh, back in alcohol prohibition, mm -hmm. more concentrated forms of alcohol were used because it was easier to hide, right? And so um, people started drinking more potent alcohol. So pro prohibition created a, an increase in drinking of, of a stronger spirits. Um, prohibitive laws are problematic in general. You know, the Controlled Sus uh, uh, Substances Act is a bad act. It needs to be repealed. It causes problems, you know, in in uh, multiple uh, uh, different demographics, including you know poor uh, uh, communities. Um, you know, forget the scheduling. Repeal the Controlled Substances Act. That's really the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going well, to say, um, add. The there, there, there's there's, there's, right, there's right, just right. a couple different things to just to talk about here, and that one is is that these are definitely deliberately targeting through misleading uh, labeling and branding 
uh, you know, brands like Doritos and fruit roll-ups and things that are definitely targeted towards kids to try to get them thinking about this early. But the other thing is that, you know, the DEA has been pretty clear about things that are made synthetically. So if you're doing cannabinoid synthesis, which is basically what they're doing, they're starting with CBD, which was legal because it came from legal hemp. But what they're doing is they're now doing active pharmaceutical ingredient synthesis by taking CBD as a starting material, doing chemistry to it, and now ending up with a, a reaction mixture which they have to purify. That's the essence is that these things are made like active pharmaceutical ingredients and should be regulated by the FDA. They're not extracted from a plant. They're being made. Granted, they're being made from a plant-derived precursor that's legal, CBD, but you could convert, if you could convert CBD into ricin poison, do you think that ricin poison would be, you can't, can't do that chemically. It's, yeah. Yeah. But would, would that ricin poison be legal because it comes from farm bill legal CBD? No. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I think the fact is, is that end cannabis prohibition and this market for these recreational synthetics I think will go away. Will go away. Yeah. I think and so, so um, what, what I was what I was going to do, I was piling on to uh, Dr. T's comment there in the prohibition era. Uh, not only were um, a lot of the citizens like making their own brews and and uh, very 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 heavily concentrated stuff, but also the U.S. government uh, poisoned the shit out of a ton of people in an effort to stop, you know, the the bootlegging and end up killing a ton of people. Uh, that way too. So I mean, prohibition like leads to a bunch of you know fuckery like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, also, I got going a little further uh, with, with with you, uh, Doctor Mark. Um, like 100. Like, like this is. I always bring it back to I think it was Leah in the audience uh, from Texas and a bunch of other Texans for saying like Delta Eight's all we have available, right? And um, they were not trying to go to like unsavory products or anything like that. But that's all they had available and uh, to mitigate some of that pain. You know, but no, um, I, 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 I would argue that's not all that they have available. I would say that's the most accessible. They don't have dispensaries everywhere in Texas. I didn't, Texas no, I'm huge. not even talking about dispensaries. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that, that that weed is out there and you can find people. Now, granted, it might be harder for other people to to do that, but it, it's still there. And so, what we're really talking, what we're really talking about yeah. is a, is 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 a level of access, not whether or not it's there. Right. I mean, if, well, if you're not I, connected. You know, and, and, you and get there's, there's quite you get a few players down in Texas who are playing that THCA game mm -hmm. who thinks that because yeah. it's THCA and not Delta 9 THC, that it's okay. And, you know, um, you know, I, I, I think that one thing you're saying is the one Rico, place I would not play that game. <laughs> They'll yes. be heavy handed with the response. Oh, it's man. kind of like a chicken or the egg. But the, the, the thing is, is humans want cannabis. Right. So it's like, right. is it the availability of these things that have these people on them? Or is it the fact that they don't have access to cannabis? If they had access yeah. to cannabis, they would think Delta eight is a version of the COVID flu. Right. That's what, yeah, that's what they think. Yeah. The, 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 um, I think the exact I think uh, well, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but I, I think what she was saying was um, a lot of people who have ailments and have pain, they see the benefits of cannabis and they see more of these uh, stories out there of the benefits of cannabis and they say, oh, THC, and they're going for it. Or they know that's a derivative and they're like, oh, this is gonna help my pain. And next thing you know, your rooftop in Austin, 
dabbing up some Delta Eight with Stone Slate. Oh boy! Oh, we got to we we got to keep this train. We got to keep this train rolling. We got to roll right into Mr. Chris Eggers. He's the founder of CCSC Security Systems. And if you are looking to secure your facility, whether it be a grow, a dispo, or a retail, you want to talk to this guy because he's going to help keep the bad guys away. That's right. Is none other than Mr. Chris Eggers. Jason, thank you so much. Good to see everybody here. Happy Friday. My uh, yeah. my article comes out of CBS News, Minnesota, and the headline reads, Health officials warn about THC products hundreds of times over the legal limit. So hoping the doctors uh, can comment too here. Um, so there's a warning for consumers about illegal high-dose, illegal, they're saying illegal high-dose THC products. Minnesota health officials said that they have recently seen products that are hundreds of times over the legal allowable limit. Um, at they're calling out Hemp House THC Dispensary in Minneapolis's Wedge neighborhood. You'll find plenty of the latest drinks and edibles featuring THC. We have a lot of customers that are curious about THC, says the general manager, Cody. While products on Hemp House's shelves get the green light, that's not always the case. And so I think we're going to talk about, I'm going to guess, although I know I read the article, we're going to talk about uh, folks that are that are pushing stuff that maybe they shouldn't. And uh, this is according to the Minnesota Department of Health. They're finding that some products... Uh, are way over the legal limit. And Chris Elvriam, the assistant director of Minnesota Department of Health, said, quote, many of these are just not legal uh, and some are not very safe. Um, so in Minnesota, beverages and edibles are allowed to have five milligrams of THC per serving. And the health department said that they found close to 40% of THC shops were selling illegal high-dose products or those that were appealed to children, which is now we're talking about two different things. So I don't really like how they bake that into to, to the topic at hand. Like, oh, they're 40%. But also, if they're not, they're appealing to children. To stick to one topic, in my opinion. But um, they said that the department uh, said that the high-risk products are required to be destroyed. And of the 170 inspections that the department did, only 25% of shops were found to be fully compliant with the law. Also a little bit misleading. Is that fully compliant with the law with respect to products and, and how much you know potency is there? Or were we talking about you know uh, one shop who might have been required to have a guard, didn't have a guard that day, right? Like, what are we talking about? A little bit misleading, uh, but wanted to note that. And they said that that could be for a variety of reasons. Um, they said that if they find violations, they will issue a citation for the order. And if the problem persists, they can find businesses up to $10,000 per incident, period. Um, and so Elvram also said, quote, some of the other noncompliance could mean that they're not registered. The products weren't in place behind the counter or in a locked case. Also, again, now we're talking about product storage, not product uh, potency. But are we talking about other things? Because the list of things you need to compliant with, as we all know, uh, very state to state, municipality, municipality, but essentially a phone book. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll see here. But when in, uh, the state said that if you come across products that are unsafe and have unsafe THC levels, you should file a complaint with the Minnesota Department of Health. So listen, I know we're short on time. That's my article. I want to open it up for comments. Uh, appreciate you all having me and, and happy Friday. I hope everybody had a great week and a blessed weekend. Oh, man. Over the limit. We're not even talking Over. about speeding, Chris. We're talking about products. We're talking about practice, Jason. We're not talking about we're not talking about the score. We're not talking about the score. We're talking about the product. We're talking about the product. We're not talking about potency here. We're talking about the product. I mean, yeah. I mean, I Shout just I find it hilarious that this is the thing that 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 people are getting 
uh, triggered over it is, oh, my God, it's so strong. It's so strong. I mean, back in the days, we had no labeling on anything. It was just you just got a bag of something, and it was what it was, and take it or leave it. Real trash. And, and now it's like. It's, it's about to- I was going to say, it's about time for that. uh, This is not your daddy's weed. This is not your grandfather's weed. Damn, son. That's right. It's way weaker. It's only five milligrams a dose. (laughs) But to my previous point earlier in the show, right? Somebody who doesn't know um, a lot about cannabis or the industry that just stumbles upon this article that takes time to read it. You know, I think we'll connect the dots that, hey, you know, okay, there's if I go to a legal shop or a licensed shop, you know, they have some sort of criteria I got to, they have to meet and the product, you know, is maybe safer. I think that's how somebody might view this. This this is my point, though, Chris. All right. Ultimately, all of us on here smoked cannabis prior to, to legalization. Okay, I think I think I can say that about all of us. Smoke weed, so, smoke weed. So therefore, there was a point in time that all of us were that first person coming in and trying it for the first time, and yet we didn't freak out about this. So why is everybody freaking out about it now? I I think that's a good question and and one that's probably a long conversation, but I think in today's day and age versus when some of us were smoking weed prior to legalization, access to information allows people to grab headlines for my previous comment and run with it and twist it and not really do the due diligence. Oh, and, I see what you, you know. did there with that twisting right there is like twisting one up. Mm-hmm. I saw what you did there, Chris. Look at that. Oh, now he's Michael Jackson. Twi- twisting the arm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, no, man, I, I, wonder if, up, uh, I wonder if Minnesota em- employed uh, um, Canisay. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, jeez. Rest in peace. Jeez, Rest in peace. Jeez, 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 Louise. <laughs> oh, man. To do the testing on that 40%. Uh- yeah, I got I, I got I got one for you, though, Chris, before before you go. I got one for you go before you go. You guys are going to love this. This is right next to you, uh, Dr. Mark, just so you know. Police arrest three men after seizing 2,600 marijuana plants at a main home. Police raided a massive illegal marijuana operation in Machias on Thursday, arresting three men and seizing more than 2,600 plants and 100 pounds of processed cannabis. The raid was notable because of a potential link to the massive network of Chinese-linked marijuana grows that has sprung up among ordinary properties along the Interstate 95 corridor over the last three years. It was the first one to be raided in Washington County, and the Machacas grow was inside a home and two large barns at 414 East Kennerbeck Road in a rural wow. part of town. Machias Police Chief Keith Mercier said uh, his agency raided the property at 9.30 a.m. on Thursday with assistance from the FBI and other federal drug enforcement and administration immigration agencies, along with state agencies and the Washington County Sheriff's Office. The three men at the property, uh, Dangyang Yang Li, 60, of uh, Brooklyn, New York, and Ming Li, 52, of Machias, and Ping Yu uh, Chan, 61, of Machias, were arrested and charged with no counts of felony drug trafficking, Mercier said, and none of them are U.S. citizens, he said. 
Maine has 270 illegal grows linked to China that could be worth $4 billion altogether, according to a federal memo leaked to the Daily Caller, a conservative news outlet that published it back in August. The memo said the money from the properties may be used for other crimes or sent back to China, heightening concern at the national level over these kinds of operations. The memo drew public attention to the platform. Since then, Maine's congressional delegation has pressured the Justice Department to crack down on illegal Chinese grows. While the state has legalized marijuana for medical and adult use, these kinds of grows remain illegal due to their scale and because they operate outside the state license systems. The Machias property sits on 58 acres and was most recently purchased by a Massachusetts company in 2021, according to property records. Only a few smaller grows have been raided in Maine, but they have also been linked to people with Chinese names and addresses in Massachusetts and New York. You guys, what is going on? China all the way on the East Coast where it snows and they're growing. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. is happening? I, I want to hear you say, follow the money, right? I want to hear that. The money, baby. And then follow I, I, oof, there's a couple other things you said. Um, yeah, that's that's something. The, if it happened in the main house, um, what about the other the 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 other house? It was. It was um, in the main house and in the barn. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I gotta give. I gotta. I gotta give him uh, credit. Uh, there's a main local news for not you know taking the bait on this one and saying that twenty six hundred uh, twenty six hundred plants and a hundred pounds equates to. Thirteen billion dollars, like everybody else. Thank you. I was, I was going to say, listen, you, you made reference to the, you know, billions of billions. Is that the, is that the cop math, right, Jay? Can you break well, down? Well, no, that no, no, no. I, th- I think the billions is what they were saying in regards to all of the grows that they were saying that the D, that the, that, that the, the two hundred and seventy yeah. ones that they know that are in Maine that are all tied to Chinese. Be worth. It, 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 that it, even, but even break that down. Two seventy one divided by how many billion? Like, well, is that? Well, no, is no, that no, 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 no. I, th- I think what they're trying to do is say, all right, so, so this many pounds they found at this one, and then times that by the two seventy one, and that's how they get to the billion. Okay. Plus carry the one. Plus carry the one. Yes. Okay. Got yeah. it. No, I, I, Sometimes I carry you too, too. No, uh, yeah. When necessary, yeah. Sometimes he carries a nine. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I carry, yeah. <laughs> what about 45 oh, man. um no yeah it's trapping up it's trapping up in maine in your parts uh dr mark well i would I, 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 I don't know i mean is the connection to the chinese thing really as nefarious as we think i mean i mean, I mean they had police uh, departments in san francisco and throughout other cities across the country yeah but yeah, but I think that you're saying like people got Chinese names and stuff. There's America, man. People got all kinds of names. Yeah, well, no, 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 no. They're, they're, they're saying that these people are not U.S. citizens. They specifically said that in the article. They are not U.S. citizens. Hey, Jason, next time you talk to my son, Jake, ask him about the Chinese. Oh, I can't wait. I had him over here last week. Yes. Oh, that'll be. Oh, man. I mean, I, but I think it, we can't just throw the Chinese under the bus. I'm not trying to throw them under the, the bus. I'm just yeah, saying. the Russians, the Russians, the in 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 Detroit, it's the Chaldeans. Yep. You know, I, I I think sometimes it has to do with whatever's the nationality that owns the most convenience stores in your city. Oh man. <laughs> 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 Thank you all for joining us. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Hyatt 9 News, another week of craziness here at the Hyatt 9 News uh, studios. You can catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fan show and love getting their comments posted live on the big screen to our live audience and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in each day to the headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. To our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table. To our production team, cloud media partners, and our sponsors keeping the lights on in our AV struggles to a minimum. Give a shout out to Adam behind the scenes, always holding us down. Hope you got sunglasses on today. And to our <laughs> and always haircut. I can't wait to see this, man. I better see this shit tonight. So, uh, as always, the uh, Canvas Sativa L, the reason the Hyatt 9 News team reads these headlines every day. Thank you, too. It has been Friday, December 15th, 2023. The show's over. You've all been blessed with the top industry headlines. And I know Jason said that it is a uh, ugly sweater day, so I wore this one just for you, Jason. You know What, what does it say? Uh, Black Santas. Black Santa. Black Santa. Look at the Black Santa matters. That's great. <laughs> oh, Dr. Man, T, you got us, man. Take us out. <laughs> uh, with that, that's a great uh, exit there. But I'd like to remind everyone uh, that this plant brings us love. So let's not forget that the spread the love out there and uh, um, have yourself a great weekend.